0: Hola! Hey, welcome to another episode of a Lock Story. I am your host Carlin Sykes, and this is the first episode of 2022. Yay! I don't have a little like horn or any sound effects yet, but um, yeah, we've been rocking for at least a year or two now, and so uh, I'm just grateful to be walking into the new year with you all, my listeners um again i wish i kept track of how this podcast has grown but it's been very therapeutic and um my partner asked me today like how i was feeling about it which is weird because i always ask people how they're feeling about things you know i don't really like to turn the the microphone on me much but i'm feeling good i'm feeling very proud they asked me like what i feel most proud about and it took me a second um but I always feel happy when I see like my post shared um or of course the comments like I mean comments mean the world to most creators but yeah when I see it shared and circulating people resonating with stories or one of my guests or you know the soundbite I choose because I really am meticulous about the soundbite that I put on Instagram um it just means that it resonates and I'm just excited that I've kind of found my groove to, you know, come out here once a month, record once a month, put an episode out once a month, and just naturally meet cool people that um, I want to talk to. So I have so many people that are, like, lined up for 2022, and I don't know if I'm going to get to all of them in this year um, or in this season, really, because, you know, we're almost at episode 12, you guys. Like, this is kind of the end of this season, If if we are following last season's flow, but, um, yeah, I have a ton of really, really fucking cool creative people in New York and abroad that I would love to interview. Um, and so I'm just grateful for that reflection. I'm grateful for my partner for challenging me to reflect on this. Um, and, um, yeah, welcome to 2020 you guys. I feel good about it. I feel like things have to change. I feel like things are moving forward. Um, you know, there's only one way and that's up. You know, we're kind of at the pits these days. So um I'm just grateful for anyone who has found light in this platform, who has found light in their journey through uh starting locks. A lot of you have started locks in quarantine. It's been the most beautiful thing to see. Um, and um keep coming back. Appreciate you. So uh, a little bit of a longer intro, but thank you for giving me the time to, you know, process that for a second. Um, for today's episode, is a part two of an episode released last year, which is featuring Kiki called Young, Gifted, and Black. Um, and that was a conversation about, you know, her being in this locked um, community, but also being in this black tattoo community. Um, And so she really facilitates a lot of the artists and community that's being built here in Brooklyn um, with, you know, Black femme tattoo tattoo artists, queer tattoo artists um, who are tattooing people of color and tattooing color on Black skin. And so today I talked to um, an artist who's tattooed myself, tattooed my partner. And ironically enough, I actually ended up getting a tattoo like days before this episode was filmed. Um, actually, hours, and so it was crazy to kind of like use that experience um, as as uh, as a reference point to talk to uh, my guest Aaron about uh, his journey as a black tattoo artist. Um, I won't reveal too much, but he has long beautiful locks and it's like one of the things that you cannot miss about him um and so it was cool to talk about his process uh his use of black people and black images and black art in his tattoos like the protective style tattoos get me every time like I have to get one so um I don't reveal too much because I always you know feel like I'm giving the whole conversation away but This is our conversation with Aaron. It's a part two about tattooing. Um, And also, like, Aaron's a really, really, you know, dope guy. I'll make sure that I'll put his at, uh, his Instagram handle in the bio. So if you're interested in tattooing um, and you need some some way in, I'm sure he would be more than welcome to chat with you. So, you know, we all got to help each other. That's what I'm realizing. We all got to help each other out and um, more of that in 2022, more Black business owners on this podcast in 2022, so Black creatives in 2022. So cheers to that, Um, and I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. This is Young, Gifted, and Still Black. Okay, hello, welcome. Happy Sunday. Um, Happy Sunday. We are here virtual again in my living room coming from Atlanta, Georgia, is that correct?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
0: Awesome, we're here with my friend, Aaron. Um, it's exciting to talk to him today because we're having a part two of a conversation about tattooing, being black in the tattoo space. And I literally just got a tattoo yesterday. So I have fresh questions and fresh ink on my body. <laughs> Um, So, without further ado, I'd like to introduce my next guest, Erin Davis, an extremely talented tattoo artist based in Atlanta. Erin, I'm so excited to talk to you because not only are you talented, your locks are so long, like truly so long and so well-maintained, and as a man, I want to talk to you about what you've been doing for the past, what, 10 years to maintain your hair?
2: Something like that, 10, 11 years.
0: Yeah, so welcome, Aaron. I'm glad story. to be
2: here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lovely. Well yeah, I'm
2: glad to be here.
0: Thank you for coming. Um, so let's tell the short story of how we were first introduced, because I told the story yesterday to my tattoo artist. Um, mm-hmm. But basically, my partner and I, I think, was it out a... When were you in um, New York? When were you, was your residence? Uh, in New York?
2: It was in November of 2020.
0: So that's yeah. like a year ago. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So,
2: yeah, this, this yeah it's uh, just a little bit more than a year ago. And it was yeah. my first time in New York, too.
0: Right. So the story is, I'll tell my version and I'll let you tell your version. So the story is that I used to live in Bed-Stuy and right across the street from us was Bed-Stuy Tattoo. Uh, My partner and I love getting tattoos together. I think we got one together the first time they visited me in New York for my birthday. So it's just become kind of like a ritual thing for us to do. And so off the cuff, we're in quarantine. They're just like, let's get a tattoo today. Like, let's just do it. (laughs) And so we're like, okay, we'll go to Bed-Stuy across the street. You know, it's convenient. And, you know, they're not not traditionally Black artists that work there, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. So we show up and there's Aaron randomly having this residency in New York from Atlanta, like not supposed to be here. And it felt so divine. And I think um, the conversation I had with my friend Kiki last week was about the space being created for Black tattoo artists. Um, And so that's how we stumbled across each other and ended up getting multiple tattoos from you
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. um
0: so tell me a little bit about your version of that story and you're coming to New York
1: well yeah
2: it was just like a really beautiful experience because that was actually my first guest spot too I've mm-hmm. never guest spotted anywhere wow. and the owner Kevin he uh, I've been following him for like years before that uh during my apprenticeship and everything so he just randomly reached out to me and was like, "Hey, I like your work. Do you want to do a guest spot out here?" And I'm uh,
1: like, "Hell yeah,
2: <laughs> like of course." Yeah. So I flew out there. I didn't really know what type of clientele I was gonna get. I just knew I was gonna be in Brooklyn and I was just gonna have a good time, regardless. Right. And it's just uh it was just a great experience for one that I tattooed just mostly Black people. While I was while I was down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just didn't because in Atlanta most of my clientele is black mm-hmm. it just you know there's a lot of there's a lot of black people in Atlanta, Atlanta. we run we've yeah. run shit down here so yeah. you know <laughs> um so yeah I was just like oh I don't know who I'm gonna tattoo but you know it's gonna be a good time and just when y'all came in y'all got y'all ink it was like you we're just a a, a great vibe and umc and I think Uh, I remember Z had reached out to me I think after the tattoo to get the the wasn't it like a panther yeah the
0: panther on their leg yes
2: yeah and that was just that was just another fun experience too because I wasn't even really supposed to work the day that they wanted me to get Mm -hmm. they wanted to get that tattoo right but because the concept was just so interesting and fun I was like you know I could I could just tattoo another yeah. day that's fine you know yeah
0: <laughs> and then the first thing we talked about as well sitting there and getting those tattoos was your locks I mean come mm-hmm. on. yes you have to like physically move <laughs> them to like get into your work so before mm-hmm. we get back into the whole tattoo space I have a lots of questions there walk me through your initial lock journey what headspace were you when you started locks how many years ago that was uh, I
2: started and I started locking up in 2011
0: 2011 so pretty much mm-hmm. 10 years yes so yeah. tell me tell me where you were 10 years ago what was your headspace to start locks
2: well I'll start a little bit before then okay. right so you I started growing out my hair uh, maybe 11 12 years ago because I used to cut my own hair when I was younger in high school and it just got to a point, like there was just a one month, one month period of time where I was just really lazy. I was super lazy. I didn't want to cut my hair. I didn't want to do no lineups or anything. I was just, I was just really lazy. And my, my hair just started growing. Mm
1: -hmm. And after
2: a while I was like, you know, I can kind of rock with this. You know, I just, it just started growing and growing until I had an Afro that was like, if I held my arms out, it would probably be halfway to my elbows, essentially. Yeah. So you I had the I had the
0: hair in your family. You must have yeah. hair. Yeah, mm, a lot of <laughs> hair.
2: I had the, I had the whole uh, Angela Davis fro going on. <laughs> it was lovely. Yeah. And one day my mom, she was just like, oh, you need to just do something to protect your hair. You know, like you can't, you can't just like have it out, out just because right. like you, she didn't want it damaged and stuff like that. Right. Also, it was kind of annoying to pick out too, so um every day so yeah I ended up getting braids because at first my mom she didn't want me to have locks Mm -hmm. because just being in South Florida that's where I grew up at Uh, South Florida just from my mom's perspective the association with dreads was just uh like uh criminals and stuff like that she didn't want like the police and stuff to stop me like from that perception right. of being like just a just a nigga that just wasn't up to, to, to no good and stuff like that right. totally so is. she yeah she just didn't want the world to have that perception of me so she didn't want me to have locks at first mm-hmm. and so yeah i first had braids and then i started just uh, you know my brace got longer and longer and then prom season came around and I had this, you know, this cute little prom date. You know, I was, I was feeling myself, you know, we were feeling each other. And she was like, oh, you should get um, you should get plaits for prom. So I was like, you know, let me do what my prom date says. Right. And yes, yeah, so I got plaits. I love just the way that my hair just kind of flowed and stuff like that. And so I started getting double strand twists like right after that. And then soon I was just like, you know, let me just go ahead and lock up completely. Right. So that's basically my lock journey basically started off with me just being lazy and not wanting to cut my <laughs> hair, essentially.
0: Well, initially, I know we talked about this in our little pre-screen, but when I saw your phone number when we first talked, I saw the 850 phone number. It immediately was like Tallahassee, Florida. So mm-hmm. for those who haven't heard, I went to FAMU. I'm from Michigan, but I'm well-versed in Southern, like Southern Florida, Northern Florida culture. I think I've gotten a pretty good taste of just the cultural nuances, the music, the the way people dress was a total shock for me. When I was in Florida, people would always be like, "You're different." I'm like, "I'm just not from here. Like, <laughs> I just don't know what what y'all are doing." You know. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: but I remember like being on the set and on campus, and a lot of the local people had like locks, and it it kind of fed into that culture of having like the grills and having like. Mm-hmm. You know, sagging pants and like you know our our kodaks our Mm -hmm. figures I had to really like learn about um when I was down there and I can understand your mom having that connotation because it does kind of have this like street culture um Mm -hmm negative vibe that is attached to locks as well but it's also so interesting because i think that it also just shows the different subsets of culture and that yeah. locks it lives in i mean we think of rastafarian people a lot of people are caribbean um some people again are just lazy um and some people are like uh i forgot we talked about the different hairstyle i wrote it down because are
2: uh, you're talking about uh wicks <laughs>
0: yes we talked about wicks and freeform locks and golds like that's a very Mm -hmm. distinctive culture like that i I can literally think of those people being on the set like vibing Mm -hmm. out like i can
2: i can uh i can put in my (laughs) Golds right now like (laughs) and
0: and it's something that i had to like really learn to to appreciate but again when you're in florida like one of the most racist fucking places in the world um Mm -hmm. it's it's unsafe because you're going to be associated with something that isn't necessarily true it's associated with gangbanging and Mm -hmm. violence and I can understand your mom having that kind of like
2: having that hesitancy yeah totally yeah it makes sense because you know as a parent I could I could understand you know like because from a like when I was young, I didn't really think about it much. I was mm-hmm. just like, "Oh, I like, I like dreads." Like, but I didn't want to go against what my mom was saying, so I just right. didn't. But it didn't make sense to me at first. So I'm just like, "Yeah." I was just like, "What's the point? It's just hair." But yeah. I understand as a black parent, you're trying to keep your your black child safe, you know?
0: Right, right. And um, also, but so, it's, it's unfortunate that we have to deny ourselves that freedom <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and that creativity simply because you have to protect
2: your children. Um, mm-hmm. I mean and as is- you get older, you just learn that there's no real way to keep them safe, you no. know. It's just no. just the world is sadly just gonna be the world, you I know? know. You just have to do your best to have uh raise your child with awareness, like situational right. awareness. But yeah, yeah. It's so crazy. Have your
0: locks always been this thick because I will say they're very like a, like a good size. So if you had to describe your locks to the viewers. Is something that I forget to do sometimes. How would you describe your hair at this stage, ten years in the game? Um,
2: well, I would say I actually just recently combined them.
1: Okay, um, I was gonna say that's yeah, a little
2: thicker. yeah. Because uh, before um, I used to have, I guess, like medium-sized dreads, and okay. now my dreads are combined into a little thicker, almost like wicks. But it's okay. like I feel like it's kind of the the stage right before wicks, okay. like the thickness of it. Okay. Um, and before I just used to have a lot of dreads. I had just a shitload of dreads. I was gonna say um, I feel
0: like I'm seeing fewer <laughs> but I'm like is that just mm-hmm. my time playing games but you combine no nah, you're no nah, you're through,
2: definitely right
0: walk me through the different stages over these years then and, and tell me and then land to me where you are now
2: okay so uh when I first started with my double strand twists, I just uh I used to take them out and retwist them every month just because I just did that. It was I don't know why. I think it was because I was used to getting braids and taking my braids out every month, right. getting it rebraided. So like I did the same thing with the double strand twists. And eventually, yeah, when I first decided to lock, I was just like, okay, well, let me just keep these in and just let them naturally form into into their locks. And that took about like, I don't know, I think it was like 6 months. Mm-hmm. And then my hair, like, until my hair went from looking, like, two-strand twists to actually looking, like, real, real deal locks. Okay. And at that point, my hair was, like, maybe shoulder length, okay. I would say. Now, uh, it's basically to, like, my butt crack, mm-hmm. essentially.
1: <laughs>
2: and before I, before I combined my twists, I had, I had counted. I had 144 locks.
1: Oh,
0: wow, you did count
2: yeah like it. it's just one day I was just really bored somebody randomly asked me oh how many locks do you have and I was I just like count
0: mine yeah I haven't counted
2: yeah because it's like who does that <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, so yeah I had 144 locks which is a lot and I had thick hair too it wasn't even like thin locks either it yeah. was like very oh, thick yeah plentiful locks mm-hmm. and as my hair got longer it just got uh, a lot to manage all 144 of them yeah uh, so I was just like just to be able to sleep easier and put my hair up easier and not have to like have it be as much of a struggle I just combine them so okay. now I have 29
1: okay
0: wow yeah you have my big difference 29 <laughs> mm-hmm. so what was that process like was it did you like did you um do like rope twists or did you like braid them mm. together? Like what is how did how long did it take? Like I'm new to this, so please, <laughs> I'm very intrigued.
2: So it took a while. It took uh probably four separate all day sessions, like eight hour sessions. And yeah, it was just the the loctitia, she basically four eight hour hair.
0: sessions. Hold on. I just did the math in my head. I'm like, wait. Can you even tell me, so there's a process for this? Is it just like something mm-hmm. you can just
2: casually do or? Oh, no, you have to actually, you definitely have to like plan it out. Okay. <laughs> like, it's not, especially, especially because yeah. my hair was is so long. long too. So that makes yeah, a difference. So if you have shorter hair, it, okay. it probably is a little bit easier, you know? Right. right. Like your hair would probably still take a while. Like, yeah. cause you still, you got, you still got some length on you, uh. but it mm-hmm. wouldn't take as long as mine. Uh, but yeah, it basically the loctician just parted my hair, showed me a video of like saying like, "Oh, hey, there's here's how, here's how your parts are going to look." Then she basically took the different parts and took a took a crochet needle and crocheted the locks together. And yeah, after she just it, it took it took forever to do like one lock like completely. It took like maybe an hour, an hour to do like one of them. So yeah, it's like, it's a it's a very long process.
1: Wow.
2: But yeah, basically, yeah, she crocheted them together. And yeah, now we're here. Wow.
0: And so when did you do that?
2: I did that in August.
0: In August. So yeah. that's what you're five months in, four or five months in? Basically. Yeah. And how are you loving it? Do you feel lighter? Do you feel like it's a good decision?
2: Oh, I'm loving recommend? it.
0: and Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely loving it. Uh I had to get used to a different way of having them retwisted mm-hmm. because because they're so thick it's just it's just retwisting them is a different process now. Okay. Uh because before it's just you know normally you just go in, get them retwisted, add the clips to them and yeah. then you're done. Yeah. But with mine because my hair is really thick, the clips don't even really fit on it like that. Okay. And so with retwisting them and i'm still figuring this out too so like you yeah. could either um i think it's called uh interlocking
1: mm. uh
2: you could either like yeah interlock where you like
0: go through yeah
2: yeah 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 so you could either do that mm-hmm. or you could twist them normally but like when you like when you get to the part where you would normally put the clip in mm-hmm. um locticians sometimes they'll like wrap my my uh my locks like around in kind of like a kind of like a like a, like, imagine like a Cinnabon or like a mm. like a cinnamon roll yeah um, they'll just like roll it up
0: knot or something yeah something okay. like that okay so
2: it'll so it'll basically kind of stay in place and won't okay. like unravel immediately yeah um, but I definitely feel really good about my hair though for, for I could sleep easier it's easier for me to put my hair up um, I've started I started doing um, Muay Thai which is like a martial arts in okay. February so cool. having to just kind of put my hair up and put it in a bun makes is like a lot easier now that okay. there's a lot less of it
0: yeah that's awesome and so do you do you mostly did you do your hair yourself before and do you do your sell your health do you do your excuse me do, your own, <laughs> <hair>. do you <laughs> your own hair before and do you do your own hair now or do you re- majorly rely on locticians
2: I kind of switch it up Okay. like before um I you used to so do, much hair, I used to do so my like, hair yeah. um like probably like half like 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 six months out the year for example okay. like I'll just be like oh yeah like I'm just gonna reach this, my hair myself mm-hmm. and then maybe like a couple times a year I'll go to a lactician just to like have that professional professional right. thing yeah. done uh but for the most part yeah I do my own hair and um, but since I've been since I've had longer hair and just been acclimating myself to my hair yeah I've just been going to a lot more like recently just so I could really um learn how to really take care and uh take proper care of my longer thicker hair now
0: right totally what have been some lessons along the way for you in the 10 years in the last year (laughs) with some big Mm -hmm. overarching
2: lessons uh for me personally just the simpler the better Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like a whole life thing for me, just Mm -hmm. in general, the simpler, the better. Like, I don't do a lot with my hair. I'll, you know, like to like to lock my hair when I'm actually retwisting and everything, I'll just use oil and water. Mm -hmm. I don't even use any products, no gels, Mm -hmm. no anything, because there was a point in time where I used a lot of gels when retwisting. And I think it was maybe maybe like three, four years in. I had like so much buildup; it was Mm -hmm. crazy. I was washing my hair one day, and like while my hair was wet, I just kind of like ran my my like squeezed my dreads and ran my finger, my hands up my dreads, and there was so much just gunk and Mm -hmm. like filth that came out of my hair that it was like it really just like disturbed the fuck out of me. It it was it was it wasn't it wasn't good. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that was the result of just uh, a lot of just products in my hair, yeah. a lot of gels, beeswax, just stuff. Yeah. Um. So after that, I just did uh, every probably every month before I get a retwist, I do a apple cider vinegar wash. Okay. I mean, I put the baking soda in there just because I may okay. not. But yeah, uh, yeah, I do. I do an apple cider vinegar wash. And okay. yeah, like I said, I just don't use any products. I just uh, my, my hair is at the point now where it doesn't need to have any of those products to like stay locked and stay tight right so yeah I just use water and gel
0: that's real that's real no that's a good point I think I'll also think about going to different locticians and different locticians have different ways of doing it and different Mm -hmm. gels they want to use and products they want to (laughs) try you know yeah doing it I think about a, a I think I told you about the person that I went to in um, Brooklyn, who it's a family-owned um, mother and daughter shop, and they only use oil. And
1: mm-hmm. I haven't
0: really figured out how to do my hair with oil alone. Like I haven't figured out a, to get that tension because my locks are so small. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I definitely like try not to like. I mean, I use Jamaican lime stuff, and I will never do not use Jamaican lime. Like that's
1: yeah, not
2: why
0: not. <laughs> yeah, that's not. definitely
2: that's definitely a uh, part of the the dunk that was in my hair that Jamaican oh, yeah. lime.
0: that stuff is not it it's deceiving mm-hmm. um but no that's really good that's really good advice simpler is better and I think that um with locks it's better to just go natural and not overdo mm-hmm. it um I work on L'Oreal hair care so mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like tempted to try out these products and things they have but I'm like mm-hmm. I don't know if it's for my mm. hair always and I don't know if I yeah. want to like get into the habit of putting too much product on my hair um mm. but you know sometimes there are some little extra boosts you can use sometimes. some
2: little some little things some little some special
0: things boosts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying a new one out right now that's like a glossing conditioner and I'm like I mean if they can get mm. glossier I won't be bad <laughs> um, okay okay so Tell me a little bit about, um, I think, as we kind of transition into, like, your hair and your lessons, like, what I really loved in our conversation when we picked back up is the reminder that you really kind of use locks and themes of Black hair throughout your artwork and throughout your tattooing. So I'm curious about, like, what was that inspiration when you started to, like, pull those themes from, you know, our culture and very distinctively our hair and your hair into your
2: artwork? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just, like, it's just a. It's really as simple as who doesn't want to see themselves in art, you know. Like, yeah. like when I'm drawing people, I don't, I don't think about white people, you mm. know. I don't think <laughs> about any other, uh, any other people of color. I just, I think about, I think about me, myself, yeah. my partners, my friends. Mm-hmm. I just think about, yeah, my people. So it's like, of course, if I'm drawing people, I'm gonna draw us. That's right. just kind of point blank period. And even before I started doing tattoos, I was working uh, as a full-time children's book illustrator for oh, wow. like a couple of years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really fun job. Like I really, that's really awesome. enjoyed it. Um, I've done like uh, 13 books for different authors. Wow.
1: That's and
2: so yeah, it's just, it's just really, it's just been, really been a fun experience. And yeah. most of I want to say most of really like all of the all of the books that I've done have been about Black kids and Mm -hmm. I've drawn Black kids Mm -hmm. in my books whether whether they explicitly say the race of the character or not
1: right (laughs) I
2: just draw them Black just because (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah like I've always just been focused on representing us in art because it's it's we're a race so often that it, it would it would feel it would feel just weird to not include us uh, in my own personal art.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, so and also it's that's more
2: basically. Pop-
0: I mean, yeah, that alone and that's awesome. I did not know that. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of, I mean, I don't meet too many tattoo artists that aren't actually artists, like you know. Mm-hmm. Or I'm always curious, like, what's your actual art background? Um, but that's a really cool background, and also makes sense for a lot of the work that you, the style of work that you do. Um, but yeah, I, I just remember like looking at some of your flash and I some of them had like locks in it. And that's really was oh. my first time. You know, I'm here, we all see froze. We all see the natural girls and that kind of stuff. We're starting to see like some box braids and stuff. But that was like really the first time I saw like locks really represented in a very, I think it was on, like a skull. Like it was actually really mm-hmm. fucking cool guys. <laughs> so um, I remember you had another another piece that had like Bantu knots and stuff. Um, and it's really cool that you're like blending them those two kind of um, uh, art forms um, and then Mm -hmm. putting on people's bodies so um, I'm curious about how you made the pivot then from children's (laughs) books to then making uh, the work that the art that you do now as a Mm -hmm. tattooer
2: well that was definitely an interesting stage uh, (laughs) because at that point yeah I was mainly doing children's books Mm -hmm. and I was also a part of a art show called resist which was basically like kind of as the name suggests it's a show about resistance art Mm -hmm. so I was in the show and I was also going to be performing some poetry in that show as well too and the show was at the at the old at the tattoo shop that I apprenticed at oh cool yeah it like it was a the shop was basically a big warehouse Mm. so there was a lot of space to have a show and to have different installations and stuff in it so I was doing I was helping out with the marketing and we were doing an interview with the owner of the shop and he was just he was just a very energetic passionate person he's a he's a black man by the way too Mm -hmm. the the shop is black owned okay and so, yeah, he was just a super passionate person. And I've been thinking about doing tattoos for a long time because I had a friend who did, tat- uh, like, my first, like, six tattoos on me. And every time I saw him work, I was like, oh, this is not that complicated. Mm. Like, it's, it, I, was, I was looking at it and I was like, oh, this is something that I could mentally understand. Yeah. And I know if I learned how to use a tattoo machine, I could actually tattoo it didn't seem like much of a much of a leap for me personally i just didn't want to tattoo just i just didn't want to tattoo at my house because i didn't want to like fuck up a hundred people's skin you know (laughs) i didn't i didn't want to i didn't want to go through trial and error and just like uh i I very i very much care about people's skin i just didn't want to mess up anybody for life you know so yeah after after we did the interview with him i just asked him hey so what does somebody have to do to get an apprenticeship here and I've asked other tattoo shops that and they were like usually like oh, uh, uh, an uh apprenticeship costs three thousand five thousand dollars mm. and you're gonna have to work for maybe like a year or two before you can even tattoo somebody you know it's just a whole process mm-hmm. and the owner Lawrence he was just like oh just come through and learn And I was like, I was like, just come through. Like, (laughs) like, it's like for free. There's nothing, no charge or anything. It's like, no, just, just come through and learn, you know? (laughs) So I was like, bet. I I literally, I went on a cruise that weekend, came back and was like right in the shop. So that's basically how I started my journey into (laughs)
1: tattooing.
0: I don't know if that's a unique journey, but I was talking to the tattoo artist who did mine yesterday, who I told you, another, you know, Black woman, she's uh, Haitian, actually, and super smart, went to Berkeley, like very talented, uh, had that whole arts architecture background, and was explaining to me how apprenticeships work. And I had heard a little bit about it. We started talking about like an Ed Hardy documentary or like, you know, there's been some documentaries uh-huh. about the tattoo world and I don't consider myself an artist, but I love tattoos. So I'm always very intrigued. And so I then learned about like apprenticeships and kind of the whole process, didn't understand the cost of it, didn't understand how long it took, didn't understand any of the logistics, but she was just breaking down to me how hard it is for, you know, people of color to get, um accepted into those apprenticeships and like seek them out and like afford them not even afford them but again just like the difficulty of getting um, the experience you need that
2: opportunity to
0: to get launched Um, and so I think what's important to note about your story is like very serendipitous but you said it early like he's a black man so that had to Mm -hmm. be said Um, and fortunately what she was saying to me yesterday was the fact that she decided in quarantine that she had enough, you know, people who were tattooing in Brooklyn, you know, you know, the community of women and, you know, Mm -hmm. queer people in Brooklyn that are coming up and, you know, mentoring each other. So she shot up this whole idea of like, gone are their days of apprenticeship now there's just mentorship and so mm-hmm. we have to like teach each other so that we can lift each other up and we can advance because these white owned tattoo shops are not going to launch us we have to launch each other so
1: absolutely I think,
0: you know, props to him and props to you having access to someone who was willing to give you a chance because otherwise you would have been shut out
2: hmm yeah because yeah. that definitely is a very um it's, it's just a very regular thing because it's, it's almost like uh, trying to get an apprenticeship is just trying to get like a job, essentially. And these white tattoo artists are the hiring managers. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, they're not going to choose us for a variety bros. of reasons. <laughs> yeah, they hire their <laughs> they bros, hire they hire their, their friends. Bro. Like yeah. I've, I've heard too many stories of uh, appre- like apprentices just kind of getting hired because they were just a friend of the tattoo artist. And mm-hmm. that was just that. You know, I think and she most,
0: a, yeah, she, I think she told me a story yesterday about like someone, a black man or someone or a black person had a white person take their artwork to um, another tattoo artist and he let, he gave him a yes, as opposed to the other person who had tried and tried and tried at all these different white tush, tattoo shops and they mm-hmm. didn't give him a chance. But as soon as a white yeah. face was in front of the work, it was like, yes, you're hired. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's just like crazy. <laughs> and that's also why, uh, you know, like like you were saying, uh, just black artists. I think I think for one, we're much more likely to help each other too. You know, black artists. We're uh, if even if there's somebody who, let's say, I, I go to a guest spot. Actually, this did happen. Actually, where I went to a guest spot in Oakland, and there was just this uh, this uh, black woman that was like, she got tattooed by me, and she was like, oh, I wanna I wanna eventually get into tattoos and stuff like that, and I was like, oh, word shit. So I had a, I had a couple more days at my guest spot there and I was just like, oh, just come through for the next couple of days that I'm here and I'm just yeah. going to I'm just going to sit you down, explain why I use the needles that I use, like yeah. like my techniques, like I'm just like I'm, I'm going to help, uh, you know, market like help you with like some marketing a little bit too. Like if you, mm-hmm. if you want, you know, I was just like, yeah, let me just help you out and try to steer you in the right direction. Right. So you can get up in, you know, tattoo as soon as you can, you know.
0: Right. That's just the name of black people.
2: Generally. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And thankfully in Atlanta, like there are so many like black owned shops down here and like so many black artists that uh, it really is a black Mecca. I'm you know. very, very blessed to be in this city because, yeah, I don't know if I'll be tattooing if I lived anywhere else. you know, I don't yeah. know if I would have really stumbled upon the opportunity. I don't right. know if I would have just been given that chance to yeah. to come to the door, even though I know my art is spectacular, but you know it's just like having that decision being somebody else's hand, mm-hmm. especially somebody that doesn't look like me, you know it's yeah. just it's 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 a it's a rare chance of that happening, you know,
1: yeah.
0: It is. I mean, I will say living in Brooklyn, living in Oakland, living in Atlanta, it is You're. we are very fortunate to have access to these people. And I talked about that on my last episode with Kiki, because I can name at least five or six artists that I can go to locally who are people of color. Um, when I went home to Detroit to help my mom get a tattoo, that was not the case. Like, I literally mm-hmm. was online looking on Instagram, Googling, trying to find a Black-owned tattoo shop, looking up Black-owned tattoo shop, and mm-hmm. that doesn't come up. And so
1: yeah, I told
0: the story about how a friend of mine just by chance knew a place, and by chance they had an opening. By chance it was a woman who had an availability, and it was a queer person. Like, then mm-hmm. they were playing Mary J. Blige when I walked in. You know, it was just all by chance. <laughs> but
2: mm-hmm. you know, there's the vibe for us, for us. yeah it,
0: it was unfortunate that like I had to really go searching because I told my mm-hmm. mom I was like I'm not taking you to go see Kyle like we're not gonna go do this so mm-hmm. um So, yeah, I think, you know, being in those Mecca and those hubs, like now I can, even if you don't live there, you can travel to you, you know, and also there's residencies happening and people are traveling to Baltimore and to, you know, Atlanta and LA and like, you know, going on these tours so we can have access to these artists. Um, Mm. But it is very important. Just simply like, like I said, I showed you, I got a, a... Big old tattoo on my my uh ribs yesterday, which I was totally scared of, but I was topless most of the time. Like I had my mm-hmm. shirt off most of the time. And there was a level of comfortability that I just had that, you know, she was like offering me things to cover me up and stuff. And I was just like, I feel comfortable around you. Like as another black woman, yeah, like I don't just feel, naturally, you know. Yeah, I don't feel like I have to like hide myself because it is very vulnerable and I think mm-hmm. you, I realized the intimacy of tattooing because we were laying there like I was laying there topless listening to the read for two hours mm-hmm. um but I realized I the read too. <laughs> I, <laughs> it was a good distraction um <laughs> I also realized as tattoo artists what it's like to like be in that proximity with people and like share their energy and all of that kind of stuff and what it must be like to, you know, focus on people of color and be able to like work on them but also create work for them um Mm -hmm. i love the idea of this like afro-americana like style like that was something that was blew my mind when you kind of mixing like you're taking sailor jerry and then like flipping it on his head and kind of like bringing in your own themes so um i'm curious about like what inspires you as you create those pieces for our people
1: Mm-hmm.
2: well you know really it's kind of kind of even goes back to just what I was doing with my children's book it, mm-hmm. my children's book work it was the same concept of yeah. I as I started my apprenticeship I was like oh this uh, American traditional stuff is so bold and mm-hmm. it contrasts on black skin so beautifully mm-hmm. I was like yeah this is cool and it I was my art just kind of naturally inclined to that anyways yeah so I was just like oh yeah this is fun I like this and It was kind of weird because when I first started drawing traditional stuff, my first mindset was like, okay, well, I'm going to draw Black people, obviously. Let me just (laughs) Google examples of Black people drawn in the traditional style. Mm. Simple, you know? And I just started Googling and searching for it. And I was like, wow, I really don't see us at all.
1: Yeah,
2: I was like, I was genuinely genuinely surprised because I just didn't, I didn't, uh, I was just like this is so basic Mm -hmm. like it's really basic like obviously you're drawing you're drawing like girls heads and uh just like there's so much imagery of uh traditional stuff with people in it Mm -hmm. I'm like of course there's going to have to be black people represented Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was like that just that just makes sense but so when I saw that it wasn't a thing I was just like wow well I guess I'm gonna just have to do this myself, you yeah. know, just cause I was gonna, I was gonna do it anyways, yeah. you know, but it's just, it was just wild to me that I just saw no, no representation of us in, um, in that style. And maybe in the first month that I was like really trying to work and search for that style, I mm-hmm. saw like maybe through, like maybe two artists mm-hmm. that had that similar style. It was, mm-hmm. um, it was Jalen, who I think mm-hmm. uh, they work out of Montreal right okay. now, Montreal or Toronto, one okay. of the two. And uh, Kevin, who, like I said, you know, he he gave me my first guest spot, which was like really dope. Right. And Kevin is Asian, so
1: right. <laughs> it was
2: just like, uh, like, so there was really only like one uh, black femme that I saw in the fir- in the first month of me searching that right. did anything of that style, you right. know. Uh, so yeah, it was just it was just really mind blowing, and I was just like, yeah, I'm gonna just do this myself because yeah. apparently uh, nobody else is really gonna focus on it. And yeah. I I use the term Afro Americana just because uh, I just feel like there needs to be a term for people to search for mm-hmm. this thing. Yeah, I'm obviously not the first person to ever do anything like this before, but I just wanted it. I, I just wanted a term so if we want to see ourselves represented in that style, we could turn to Google and say, oh, okay. Let me find mm-hmm. some Afro-Americana tattoos, not just, oh, Black traditional, because if you right. search Black traditional, you're going to just find traditional tattoos. I don't even know what she would find. In Black.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and
2: totally. And African-American traditional is just, it's a mouthful, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, So yeah, I, I wanted to just at least create that term to make it easier to find. And when things are easier to find, I think uh, more people really resonate with it,
1: you know? Yeah.
0: I think it's fucking genius I mean I think that as someone who like works in advertising and like works on campaigns and media and like loves creativity and loves artists and designers um I think the most genius things are always like the most simple things that are right in front mm-hmm. of you that yeah. like you can it's just like so obvious
1: and <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: like it took a spin on it that was just like so simple and so transferable and art that's like appreciated everywhere but then you just simply made it more inclusive and it could be Mm -hmm. taken so many different directions and i think of even like um tattoos by cake who does those
1: Mm -hmm.
2: yeah i love yeah i love i love that
0: work. and they have like telfar bags and like big hoop wooden earrings and like you know are really reflective of like us and like afros and pig ponytails and Mm -hmm. it's like god it's so genius but it's like it's just so it's so strong and so I'm excited for all of you guys to get your art show one day because it it really it really resonates. And even like my partner having um, the Panther, the Black Panther tattoo that's like very animated. And I'm so grateful. I know that your background's in like children's books because it makes so much sense. Like you literally make (laughs) dope like black cartoons um so yeah I just am so excited for for you and all those artists who are like leveraging bringing their work to the top I mean Doreen Flesh and Fluid who makes those protective styles like mm-hmm.
2: um uh, did you see uh Doreen's um Doreen's uh, documentary
0: I did not no I have seen that's coming out or it came out as well
2: yeah 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 uh it drops like I think maybe like a couple weeks ago okay. it was really dope
0: dope I mean I'm I'm excited for every single one of you guys. So that's why I'm excited to like be tattooed by you guys. I was telling the girl mm-hmm. yesterday, Patty, who is also, like I said, a trained artist who's like getting up and starting her own private studio and getting settled. Um, I'm excited to be a part of it. I'm like, use my body to experiment. That's what
2: I'm,
0: <laughs> I'm a canvas.
2: <laughs> uh, a canvas collector, all of that.
0: Yeah. Um, so as we kind of wrap up and transition, Um, tell me a little bit about like how you manage your locks now and how they like kind of flow into your work. I think one thing you said is like your locks are you're very aware of your locks spatially, which I thought was interesting. Um, Mm. so I'm curious about like how they play into your work and also, again, like people seek you out and seek you as a tattoo artist because they see you and see something in you, and that's why I started talking to you because I was like, oh my god, your locks, you know. So, um, what is like your locks done for your image and also like um, attaining like customers and stuff who like see mm-hmm. for you.
2: Yeah, I think um, my locks really fit my personality. Mm-hmm. I feel uh, because I'm a very free person.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
2: I'm, I, I don't, I don't really make life more complicated than it has to be Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of things that people go through uh, with anxiety depression I have uh, my own bouts with both of those Um, but I really it helps for me to really keep my life as simple as possible and I think that my locks really help with that because locks I think are really one of the most low maintenance ways of taking care of your hair Mm. it's just people see me and I have a very people somebody recently just said I have a very youthful personality and energy and I think just like my hair just kind of flowing just kind (laughs) of just going wherever it wants to go like just has that youthful quality to it yeah um and I think it just it just resonates with me personally and I think yeah my my locks just yeah they just they just really describe me as a person almost Mm. and when people see me from uh from like an artist perspective, like if they walk into the shop and just see me with just my hair out, just kind of flowing, they I don't know. I think a lot of them feel like they get that black that blackness from me. Mm. <laughs> like yeah. I, I I think uh, most people, whether they're white, black, whatever, like I think people see me as a very black individual, and that mm. also resonates throughout my work mm. and from my conversations. Like I don't. I don't think a day, a day goes by where I don't appreciate my Blackness, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think, and the more people see that, the more people who kind of resonate with the way that I live life and the way that I see the world mm-hmm. come to me as a client. I feel like my clients are all pretty similar to me. And
1: mm-hmm.
2: in, I- in a way of, yeah, just uh, in a way of just being a progressive person, seeing and being empathetic, Uh, my clients are very just caring people and yeah I just feel like when they see me they could see that in my work they see they see just the energy that I push out on like social media and stuff like that and I think it all just comes together where Mm -hmm. yeah people people who are like me and people who are like-minded come to get tattoos from me Mm -hmm. and it's a beautiful conversation it's a beautiful connection there's just a community that's being built um yeah it's just a wonderful
1: thing
0: that's dope no yeah cool. I, I feel that I mean that's why I love the lock community I feel like it's a it's like a flag it's like a warning signal like okay <laughs> good vibes over here you know
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> or at
0: least like some rootedness vibes over here um, mm-hmm. but no I totally feel that I totally feel that and I think that especially in like the intimate space of tattooing that it's so important to feel that from someone and when you're trusting them to modify your body um mm-hmm. and it's just like why would you ever go back like why would you go ever go go back to exactly to white ink incorporated like I'm good <laughs> never know? like I just, I'm really; those are just not my vibes. I'd rather listen to like mariba while I'm getting tattooed, you know, mm-hmm. instead of fucking the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, yeah, so. like who?
1: Nah,
2: <laughs> never. I'm I'm in here listening to Smino. Yeah, Ari I remember that. <laughs> like yeah, like I'm just I'm just bringing the vibes.
0: Yeah, I remember your playlist. I was like, I think we listened to the same playlist on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> um, one more thing I wanted to ask you before we kind of hop off, and I thought about this late, but being a man and having like your masculinity and such like that and also being queer like what is what have locks done for your identity in terms of having like long hair because I think what you also Mm -hmm. talked about was that like sometimes your hair speaks for you a little bit because it is such a it's a thing, like it really is a mm-hmm. thing. And I love that about your hair. I think it's a very defining quality about you. And I'm really excited for my hair to grow because I think about it and I'm like, damn, I'm going to be that bitch with like long locks on her back that you can't miss, mm. you know? Because like, <laughs> yeah. you really miss it, you know? Um, so I'm just curious about what that has done for your identity, having like, you know, not traditionally short cropped, you know, super mask mm-hmm. hair
2: yeah um so like I'm uh I'm a cis I'm a cisgendered man um but I've also I've gotten a lot of people saying that I have a lot of feminine energy Mm. uh which I was kind of just having a conversation about this with somebody yesterday where we were talking about how when people say those type of things like people usually mean that you're a safe man Mm. you know like that like that you're not dangerous that you're mm-hmm. not like aggressive in in a in that way mm-hmm. and when people say in the vice versa like where it's uh where it might be like a woman that has masculine energy they usually mean that in a negative sense where it's mm-hmm. like they're saying they're aggressive and just being a bitch or whatever the fuck yeah. um but yeah so like i get that people saying that i have a lot of feminine energy and also i do get mistaken for a woman a lot too like at clubs um like the bouncer <laughs> will be like Oh, uh, I'm gonna pat you down, ma'am. And then he looks at me. and It's like, oh my bad, bro. Like, <laughs> um, and I'm just like, I'm just like, it's cool, you know. I got long hair. I understand, you know. Interesting. Um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's 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 just like, um, I definitely get a lot of um people, yeah, just like mistaking me for a fem or just giving me like feminine characteristics mm-hmm. and like felt like saying I have that energy. And I don't know. It's just a, it's just a part of me. I, I will say I'm a very soft, a soft man. Like, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, how does it's something that, make that
0: you feel. How does that make you feel? Is that welcome? Or...
2: Oh, yeah, I'm fine with it. I, I don't really to uh, subscribe to gender roles like that. So, yeah, yeah like I'm, I'm very, I very much admit to just being a very soft man. I'm very yeah. sensitive, yeah. Uh, very in touch with my feelings and I'm just very empathetic. So, yeah, it never bothered me at all. Um, it's just, it's just funny, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I love, I love my hair. I love yeah. just like people, like with permission or people that I fucks with, mm. uh, touching my hair, <laughs> just like caressing, caressing their hands through my hair. It's just a, it's just a wonderful feeling, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: you have great hair. So I don't, I don't. Thank
1: leave. you. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: so that kind of brings us to my final question: When have you felt, uh, recently, most proud uh, of your locks, or beautiful even?
2: Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I actually feel like since I locked my hair, I'm way more confident in my personal appearance than I was before. Okay. Uh, it actually took me a very long time to even kind of view myself as attractive Mm. like I only really viewed myself as attractive when I was like 22
1: okay and I'm
2: 28 now okay and yeah since I since I started combining my hair and like since I yeah since I combined my hair I just feel sexier
1: okay
2: um so it's just like I've been I've, I've just been looking in the mirror a lot more recently I've been taking pictures a lot more just like uh, (laughs) just kind of like really just overall feeling myself a lot more recently so yeah I think I have a a, my locks have just made me feel better about myself
0: yeah I love that yes we're here for sexy always that's dope (laughs) I mean that's that's awesome I often think about um, the fact that you've had your locks for 10 years so Mm -hmm. you've been kind of like steeping in this for a while. Um, but sometimes I feel like I have a peace of mind because I know what my hair is going to look like and I know what's going to happen next. And like, I feel secure in like the decisions that are happening on my head. Like, I don't know if that's, Mm -hmm. I don't know if other people have anxiety about, oh no, should I color it? Should I cut Mm -hmm. it? Should I do this and that? Um, having locks has made me feel very like steeped in the decision I have made. I don't have to worry about it. Like, I don't have to stress about my hair. I don't have to yeah there's a lot of comfort and it's like it's almost it's a comfort in knowing myself um and I think that you have a similar similar thing happening and also it's interesting it can happen again like over and over again as you grow Mm -hmm. out your hair um so yeah that's amazing um I appreciate you so much for taking the time to talk to me and tell me a little bit about your hair and your world and um Yeah, your work. I'm very excited to see what other residences you have. I hope you come back to New York. I might have to get Oh yeah, I'm
2: definitely coming
1: back.
0: Yeah, I have to get that that I'm I'm getting up there in my tattoo game. I'm getting like bigger (laughs) tattoos and Mm more detailed tattoos so i'm have to. yeah because
2: the the one i did on you was a little was a little baby tattoo a little you know? baby, but I'm, <laughs> getting,
0: I'm getting up there i'm getting up there so i might have to come back and get something with some shading next time all
2: right I, i'm ready
0: yeah yeah so save one of those lock pieces for me i think i have to do i got
2: it. you i got you yeah. and yeah this is definitely fun i'm like really glad that you reached out because yeah i just I, I just love i just love talking to you you know for real you're Aww. a good person
0: i love talking to you too we had such a good time like when we stumbled upon each other so when you come back we'll have to hang out and you know actually like go out to the city and do that kind of stuff as well so definitely let you let us know when you're back
2: okay i got you
0: all right well have a good rest of your sunday and i appreciate you
1: i appreciate you too hope you have a good day all right i'm gonna stop recording